I'm thrilled to announce that TSK has returned as headline sponsor for another season. We all see that the world of work has changed. We've seen a true workplace revolution in the last few years. The line between work and life is blurred. We believe the fundamentals of this change is here to stay. When you're a leader in that environment, you're probably having those ongoing questions through the uncertainty, questions around how we can draw people back to the workplace, how we can stay competitive, where our staff's supposed to work, and we measure office utilization. How do we transition into hybrid working? How do we maintain the company culture and how much space do we actually need? Why do we even need an office? TSK has spent over two decades helping some of the world's biggest brands to create inspiring places to work for their people. Working with them to create robust workplace strategies, creative design solutions, and quality built environments. TSK's track record is impressive and we wanted to share some of those insights and stories with our listeners here on the Workable Podcast. Well-known global brand, Kellogg's, has always maintained their values for a concrete and positive company culture, expressing this as hashtag like at K. This was most important at the Dublin offices, home of the Kellogg's European headquarters. In 2019, TSK, our headline sponsor, began working with Kellogg's to realize their dream workplace to help their local and European community thrive. But then an unforeseen global event turned the project on its head. More on that later in the show. Welcome back to the Work Bowl Podcast, where we chat with the leaders in commercial real estate to answer all questions, space as a service. This podcast is for anyone involved in commercial real estate in any way. If you're an investor, fund manager, developer, property manager, agent, or broker, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'm your host, Caleb Parker, and this is episode six of season eight, sponsored by TSK. I got to say, I appreciate every time I have the opportunity to catch up with my friend, Jonathan Weinbrenn. You might remember him from our episode in season two of this podcast. His perspective is always enlightening, and he's just a good person. I always take away new learnings when we speak, and I hope you do too after this episode. Speaking of which... In this episode, we talk about Jonathan's new PropCo-Opco partnership in Belfast, Northern Ireland, which SOF launches in November and will officially open its doors in the new year. It's an exciting JV project, the repurposing of a 58,000 square foot iconic building dating back to 1857. They're going to bring this up to standards of the 21st century. But what does that mean? It is set to achieve well certification, which is the first in Belfast, and as I mentioned, it being space as a service led, In this case, that means flexibility and hospitality will be delivered across 100% of the building. Yes, you heard me right, 100%. Of course, I had to ask about valuation and the finance stack of this deal, which Danske Bank led. We go on to discuss this management agreement and creating alignment between the two parties of the JV. And, of course, why space as a service is the right approach to stand out and attract customers. As always, if you have any questions or feedback or topics you want covered, Hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Caleb underscore Parker or DM me on LinkedIn. Earlier in the show, we introduced the beginning of a workplace transformation for Kellogg's European headquarters. To tell you more about that story, let's hear from the design and build team behind the project, TSK. Our existing relationship with Kellogg's spanned back to 2018 when we designed and delivered their world-class UK head offices in Manchester. We were ready to raise the bar in Dublin 
building a strategy to see the team move from two buildings into one unified, open plan and connected space at Dublin Airport. The design had been agreed, work was already underway, then COVID hit. Headlines like, the office is dead, is remote working here to stay, were circulating and businesses around the globe were reconsidering what the purpose of the office was for them. But if anything, it solidified the work we were about to do. We wanted to create a space which is more representative of our brand, the way we've innovated and changed in the market. We wanted our offices to look and feel like that as well. It sort of comes back to our four C's about connection, creativity, culture and collaboration. Welcome back to the Workable Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Parker. And today we're going to hear about a new Propco-Opco joint venture partnership for a space as a service-led strategy in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Jonathan Weinberg returns to the show. Go check out his episode two, where we talk about what impact the pandemic would have on space as a service, and go tell us if we were right. Jonathan is the managing director at Bespoke, a BE offices company, and with nearly two decades of frontline experience in the flex world, he has spent his entire career advising companies on how their workspace can support the achievement of their business goals with previously senior roles at Search Office Space, which is now Office Freedom, and the Instant Group. Jonathan fundamentally believes real estate is not just about bricks and mortar, but rather its future lies in hospitality, technology, and well-being. Welcome back to the show, JW. Hey, it's just wonderful, really, it is to be back on the show and to you know watch the continued success of your podcast. And also, actually, I'm um, um, sort of congratulations because we haven't spoken in a while, but many congratulations on 22 Bishopsgate. What a phenomenal opening for you in such a landmark location. So well done and great to speak to you again. Thank you very much, Jonathan. It's, um, it's a privilege to be in that building and very excited about what we're doing. And obviously, great to be in the market with you and, and learning from you. And uh, congratulations on your success, which includes what we're going to talk about today. You guys just signed a joint venture partnership with the family-owned Stradorn Properties to create and manage its new flexible workspace offering at the iconic Custom House in Belfast. Now, I read that this deal is going to see you guys managing 58,000 square feet, and it's a sort of an innovative JV management agreement. But we'll get into that in a moment. But first of all, congrats. When you guys open? That's a good question. Build is underway. Well, we're opening in August, but I think we'll welcome our first guests through the door probably September the 1st. So we'll have a soft launch in, in August and then fully open on September the 1st. I like soft launches. <laughs> uh, they are important, aren't they? <laughs> you know, we have a tried and tested model. Um, and we know from experience that when you are going through a significant build program that, that we're undertaking at the moment, particularly when you're doing it in a post-COVID or still COVID world and supply chain is you know, of serious concern, we just need to give ourselves a bit of room in that respect. And we never want to open a building that's not finished, that, that's not perfect and ready to go. So we, we'd rather be slightly conservative and just make sure we get everything ship shape before we welcome our customers through the door. No, I completely understand. I think the supply chain issues have affected all of us and things always take longer than, than, than what you plan for. So you have to plan for those delays. I'm just curious, uh, you, you guys have been you know pretty much a UK-based company focused on England mostly, but you ventured into Belfast, I guess, within the last couple of years already. So this is your second project. But what makes Belfast so attractive for you? Yeah, it's funny because with COVID, time became very difficult to quantify. But uh, it was actually over three years ago now that we launched our first site in Belfast. It was, it was crazy to think about it. Where has that time gone? 
But that was a really different project, it was a very exciting project, but it was a, a bespoke solution for a single occupier. So it was a very large multinational, one of the top four professional services companies. And there we acquired a lease in a building, the building called Adelaide Exchange in the centre of Belfast. And we delivered about 25,000 feet for that customer. And that one customer alone delivered in their brand and their image and uh, to their guidelines. So what we're creating in Custom House is radically different in the sense of we're going to be opening this up to a range of different companies all sort of working together under the same roof, I suppose, but in private offices. That brings up my my question about your product stack. And I was curious, it's because you guys are taking over the whole building here and it is a space as a service-led strategy. So is it 100% flex or will there be a traditional lease footprint in the building? No, no, no. It's 100% flex. I mean, that's our, our model and we're definitely sticking to that. And it was one of the intentions actually of the owner, Neil McGiven, to, McGiven, to keep it as a flex offering. This is a, a, um, a really interesting individual who's incredibly entrepreneurial and has a, a, a number of businesses uh, across the Northern Ireland market, actually. And he, he also owns other, other buildings in, in Belfast. But um, for a traditional owner and occupier, he had a huge amount of uh, foresight when he was looking at the market and realised that the future really is flex. Um, and that really aligned beautifully with our vision and values. So it's 100% flex. I suppose what's interesting about it is we can offer someone you know, one, one desk, but equally we can provide self-contained floors of up to 250 desks on a single floor plate. So, so we, we, we have the ability to capture a wide segment of the market and deliver tailored solutions on flexible terms but underpinned by uh, a sort of rich hospitality offering. And that, that combined with a partner who's really entrepreneurial, who really gets the way the market is shifting is incredibly exciting for us. Sorry, just one other thing. You asked me about why Belfast. I don't, have you been there or uh, have you ever I, visited I, the city? I, I have, I have been to Belfast uh, on holiday for a long yeah. weekend and ended up going up and seeing the giant causeway. And I did a little tour around Belfast, but I haven't been there with a business mindset on. Well, that, that's fascinating because I know you travel a huge amount. So what struck me about Belfast when I first visited was the, the sense of energy and vibrancy. And then it's also got these different layers of, of sort of tourism, as you've alluded to, and you know, F&B and leisure and culture, which are really enticing. But I think from a business perspective, it's even more interesting because it's got a phenomenal talent pool that's constantly being replenished through two major academic and respected institutions, Queen's and Ulster universities. And this creates an incredible pool of talent right there in, in, the, in the marketplace. And when you mix that with this kind of entrepreneurial spirit, plus the established corporates who already exist in the market, the proposition becomes even more exciting. I, I don't know if you recall when you travelled there, but there are two airports. The infrastructure is phenomenal, both the digital infrastructure, actually, and the physical transport infrastructure. And then there's an incredibly vibrant foreign direct investment programme, FDI programme, which attracts some of the best businesses from, from around the world. So put all these things together. And for me, it was absolutely a no-brainer. And, and by the way, I'm not just saying that it's because of Neil, because he, he's not actually on the call today, but the people are wonderful. And I think always it's the people that make a city. So I hope you come back and visit as well. We'd love to show you around, by the way. You're welcome anytime. Oh, I, I appreciate that. And I would love to come back. One of the things I came away from uh, my trip to Belfast is how friendly people were and how the hospitality was. It was, it was fantastic. And I've met some really friendly people in different cities around the world, but uh, that stuck out to me. I'm taking you up on that. Genuinely, you're welcome anytime. And 
I, I didn't mention, but I had a great grandparent who was born in, in Belfast. I've discovered I've had relatives who were born in Dublin. Only recently I discovered this. But um, one of the siblings was actually born in Belfast. Well, I had no idea about this, and that hasn't influenced my decision to be there whatsoever. Um, but I'm delighted that they were born there because it just kind of connects me to the city. I'm there now sort of on average about once every 10 days at the moment as we come into the final stages of the project. But we're going to have a really phenomenal on-site team there of about nine BE hospitality people who will be really running the operation and looking after our customers. Well, I want to dive into that a little bit more, um, the BE hospitality, because I guess, I guess and maybe I should have started with this at the beginning with your intro, because maybe not everyone's listened to our episode in season two, where you gave a great overview of, of your portfolio. Could you actually just bring everybody up to speed um, about the BE portfolio and, and, and the hospitality you guys offer? Yeah, I joined the business about four years ago. I was, I suppose, familiar with BE because I was actually a broker uh, before I entered this part of the world of Flex. As my role as a broker, I was introducing business to a range of operators. And I always felt incredibly comfortable recommending BE, particularly to larger enterprise businesses that I was dealing with. Because, you know, at that time in the market, this was probably going back five or six years, there, there was a substantial shift in the, in the market. And we were seeing very exciting entrants start to, to open up. And many of them had phenomenal spaces when you looked at it on the surface. And I'm talking about their design and the sort of wow factor that really drew you in. Um, and, and much of that was really fantastic to see. But you know, what was missing was the, the understanding actually of what goes into running a full service space as a service offering. And it really is like running, I suppose, a hotel. And when you, when you think of the intensity involved, not just front of house when it comes to things like um, our hospitality teams and our meeting rooms, meeting room staff and our tech departments who are on site as well, but also everything that happens underneath, you know, the, the facilities management, the health and safety, some of the stuff that some people think is, is really boring, but actually is fundamental risk assessment. And with BE, what really struck me was their commitment to customer service. And, you know, it's almost, it was, it, it was at that stage five years ago when services officers is afraid became quite unfashionable. It was when we were referring to our sector as co-working. But actually, B, we're really insistent on keeping that as their kind of defining brand in terms of their sector brand. Because for us, service is at the heart of everything we do. And it's really, really important that we get this across when we describe our spaces to people or show our spaces to people. Because you can't really quantify that until you're a customer of space, if that makes sense. Uh, no, it does. And, and I think that, you know, as you've heard on this podcast, hospitality is such a big part of space as a service. It's just crucial for, for the future of, of commercial real estate. And the demand is growing massively for flexibility with service. I've known David and Simon for some time now and been a, been a fan of the experience that they deliver for your customers. But JW, you mentioned enterprise a moment ago, and that's yeah. sort of been your dare I say expertise, you've been working with the enterprise sector for quite some time. In, in Belfast, you're going to deliver what I understand to be Northern Ireland's first well-certified building, which is high up on the enterprise agenda. Yeah, it's, it really is high up on the agenda. It's, it's fascinating to see how that shifted, especially over the last 24 months, partly as a result of COVID, I suppose, or it was happening before anyway. And, and you know, it's coming from enterprises, Caleb, but it's also coming from the SME customer base as well. It's not just enterprises enterprise businesses who are asking questions about our ESG policies 
about sustainability policies and and well and well-being in our workspaces. So it's fundamental to this offering at Custom House. You know, I was thinking about it before I came on air with you that actually, as a business, BE were focusing on well-being of our staff and of of our customers. So things like natural light was always at the heart of, of our designs. No, no, no offices were ever delivered. There were never any internal offices without natural light. The focus on sort of the quality of the air was always there, actually, because B never highly dense their offering in terms of you know, cramming workstations into an office. Um, and it's, it's fascinating to see how now with certification, we're able to provide this kind of quantifiable uh, standard, which is fantastic. And Custom House will definitely have well-being at its heart. So we're looking at the air quality, the water quality, nourishment through the building, fitness and movement and light and space. All of these elements are going to be evaluated, not just through the build, by the way, but through the ongoing service delivery and integrated. And then we can actually deliver this in in, in a certified form to customers looking at the building, which I think is really exciting. Well, often well certification, a a lot of people in commercial real estate, buildings have been hesitant. Asset and fund managers have been slower to to adopt well at um, at a fast pace. Because it can be expensive, and but if I do my math correctly, in your press release that went out, the six million pound investment is going into that asset works out to about one hundred and three pounds a square foot. So it sounds like to me, if, if again, if I'm doing my math correctly, but it sounds like to me the building was already in decent shape, so there weren't no significant structural changes. But the well certification did did that take up a big percentage of, of budget, or how are you guys managing that? Well, firstly, I think the, the amount is going to be higher than the six million as well. But I, th- I think you're, you're fundamentally right that the building itself was sound. So structurally, the building was sound. I mean, it's a phenomenal site. And I'll, I'll share pictures with you of the sort of before and after. We'll, share, really we'll share those visuals in, in the show notes when we post it on LinkedIn. Fantastic. It, it really is jaw dropping. When you, when you approach the building, you get a sense of the sort of scale and structure structure and the architecture was Charles Lanyon, who was the architect behind this building. By the way, Neil is totally committed to the well certification along with us. But when he acquired the building, it was previously let to the HMRC, who were obviously looking after it internally, but it was very tired, obviously, of its age and it needed um, substantial modernization. So our spend has really gone into modernizing the building, bringing it into the 21st century and a lot of that money, I suppose, was allocated to things like uh, the mechanical and the electrical. And that price, for example, didn't include things like the FF&E. But obviously, we, we have to spend money to achieve the standards that we need to, particularly around things like air. And that comes through the M&E. And it is a substantial investment. And I can see why some landlords are particularly concerned about that. But it's interesting to see the flight to, to quality in markets, which is an overused term, but one I'm afraid that is fairly accurate, actually, where occupiers are much more sophisticated, much more demanding about uh, placing their staff in environments that are safe and where well-being is at, at the very centre. So we're absolutely committed to that. And you'll see from the images I share that what we're creating from a design aesthetic is incredibly beautiful. But from a well-being perspective, it really does achieve, you know, substantial gains. And I hope that will reflect in our, our pre-lettings, which have already begun, by the way. We've already sold space in the building, even though we're only opening on, on September the 1st. 
Well, that's that's good to hear, and and I'll, I'll I want to dive into some of the well being factors with you probably offline because I've got yeah. some more pressing matters that I want to cover on this podcast with everyone, and you know may, maybe we'll have to pick up another conversation uh, in, a, in, a, in a future <laughs> podcast uh, once once you guys are open. The uh, fact that this building is one hundred percent fifty eight thousand square feet, one hundred percent space as a service led strategy, fully flex. How are you approaching the valuation topic? I mean, what are the lenders saying about this? It's a, it's a really good question. I think we've discussed this over the years now. In, in, in fact, I was introduced to Neil, I think, because his agent was in a room in Belfast when I was asked to present to the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors about uh, the move to flex. And, and there's a lot of uncertainty and questions from the traditional market about our model still. So funding is still a question that needs work and understanding. I think if a funder was viewing the building with a conventional operation, they would have been more forthcoming. But Neil had excellent long-term relationships with his existing funder, which which helped a great deal. We're funding our CapEx through private means, and and Neil's putting a significant amount of of CapEx into the building too. So I I think the combination of the three work really well together. But it's a subject that you know, as as the world continues to change, as consumer demand goes towards flex, funders have to get their heads around this because long-term traditional leases are still there, but there'll be less of them. And you're going to get situations where the building is perhaps de-risked because it's got so many different companies as opposed to one large company who used to be considered as sound, but may not be considered as so sound anymore, if that makes sense. Well, we should probably give a shout out to Nasca Bank, who was uh, who led the funding on on this project. Then, can you talk about sort of what they saw here? Uh, you know, I think when they looked at our offering and they realised that we were going to create such a rich offering of offering of amenities, so the office space itself, but you know, uh, underpinned by really complex technology solutions, full service gyms with pelotons, running machines, free weights amazing facility of changing room and showers, including towel services, wellness pods. You know, you, you go on and on. And I think this is where companies want to be, small and large, by the way. You know, if, if, if we're talking about a market where it's difficult to get people back into the office, creating a, a true destination, and this is what Custom House will become ultimately, will become the premier destination in Belfast for well-being and workspace blended together underpinned by hospitality, underpinned by technology. And, and I think this is very exciting for everyone involved in the project. And, you know, we can't wait to get this going. Well, I uh, can't blame you. And, and I'm very encouraged by, by hearing that because um, I think you hit the nail on the head. This is the future of work and the future of work equals the future of commercial real estate. And, yeah. you know, if, if we in our industry, particularly the lenders, keep holding on to the old traditional ways of, of valuing space, a space, by the way, that may not be in demand anymore, then it's going to fall by the wayside. And we have to, we have to embrace what, what, what customers want today. That's how, that's how we de-risk things. And that's how, that's how we can drive value. So kudos to Danske Bank and, and congratulations to you guys for, for doing this deal. But, you know, Jonathan, correct me if I'm wrong here, but is this the first management agreement you guys have done? Because you pretty much executed a, a lease model traditionally, right? Historically? Yeah, the majority of these sites were either freehold, actually, or, or traditional Free- leases, but freehold or traditional leases. Okay, yeah, that's right. You, but, you, you guys did 
own the, the properties as well. But, but is this the first management agreement? No, B's engaged in management agreements before. It, this is Neil's uh, first uh, management agreement because this is his first flex offering. And I okay. think he realized quite early on that, you know, could how could he deliver a space as a service option? Could he do it himself or sh- should he partner with someone with our experience? And I'm, obviously I'm delighted he chose <laughs> the second option. But um, it, it, what's great about our relationship with Neil too is we've set up a true partnership agreement and, and a new company where we can actually replicate this in uh, uh, multiple buildings, not just custom house. So there is the opportunity to look at other buildings, not just in Belfast, but across the UK, actually, and open similar fantastic workspace environments, partnering together and, and delivering these kinds of projects. That's what I want to dive into. When I was reading your press release, just preparing for this, it talks about the alignment that you wanted to have with Neil in, in, in the PropCo on this and how, how that alignment was so important, which, which, by the way, I agree with. What was Neil looking at from alignment? Can you elaborate on what he thought alignment looked like? Yeah, well, I think I think early on in the discussions, actually, I remember being in the room. It was Simon Rust, myself, and Neil. And you know, Simon comes from a similar background to Neil. Actually, they both have sort of finance backgrounds, and they're both incredibly entrepreneurial. And and there, there was an immediate connection, I think. And and we sort of started to think: Do we just do this? as a one-off and that would be great and we'd have no problem with that and, and we'd still be truly aligned in the sense of you know we're vested in this neil's incredibly vested in this from a financial and personal point of view i hope you can hear you know i'm incredibly passionate about this project we've committed huge resource to this from from b's side uh, and significant capex but you know is it enticing enough for both parties just to do a one-off probably you know we definitely still have done this but i think there's value actually in looking how can we develop this and potentially roll this out in other parts of, of the uk look at you know in, interesting cities interesting locations architecturally interesting buildings where we can add value and create something really really special i think you need to stand out in the market even in the spaces of service market you need to stand out as it becomes more competitive so i think that alignment was there sort of emotionally from a, a, a business perspective uh, as well, which is great. And we're really excited to be working so closely with Neil. You know, Neil's very much into the detail. We're very much into the detail. Neil's, th- this building is like his baby and he, he wants to see it really prosper and develop and shine like it should shine. Because when you see it, Caleb, you realise that buildings like this are quite unique in the sense of it's it's quite amazing that actually he, he was able to acquire this building and take it into private hands. It was previously owned by Mapley, who were, I suppose, running part of the government's estate. And, and it's lovely to see it reinvigorated, you know, life brought back to this building. And really, it's going to be a statement building. So, so why not do it again and again? And I think actually then there's an argument to say we're creating a business of its own, which, again, could have enterprise value. It could develop brand. All the things I think you talk about, Caleb, when you talk about real estate and brand, and, and these are at the heart of, of what we're trying to create here together in partnership. Well, I'm, I'm really glad to hear you guys started off talking about the, the alignment of your ethos and the psychological alignment, because before, you know, obviously on our end, we do management agreements. That's our entire model. Before we ever engage in a partnership, we want to make sure that we're, we like each other first. And that's the most important thing. Numbers will end up working themselves out or they won't. 
but you got to make sure that you can get on. And so that's, that's important. Sounds like you have done that. And I certainly would love as, as much as I'd love to dive into all the details of, of how you guys structured this. Maybe we'll do that offline. So Jonathan, obviously looking ahead then, this building here, Custom House, and then beyond, what, what to you, what, is, what does success look like? Will, will Straight Orange trade the asset once it's stable or is this going to be a long hold? What's the plan? So the plan is a long hold. And I think that's important. And I think it's, it's important in the sense of we're looking at other opportunities too. So I think Neil sees the long-term benefits of this kind of partnership. In terms of what success looks like, ultimately, I suppose, a, a full building of happy customers who are really engaging with the space and, and, and using the space to attract talent to their businesses, retain talent to their businesses, to really drive uh, you know, productivity through their businesses. Um, and, and I think to refer friends of theirs to come and work in this space, it's also going to be open, by the way, to non-residents who can access an incredible, really, truly incredible uh, conference and event space, which includes sort of outdoor area event space too, which is uh, really exciting. But for us, that would be a great measure of success. And obviously, one where we're making it a, a healthy profit through the building, so we can then go and reinvest in the next opportunity. You know, I'm 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 not embarrassed to say that because for me, creating, you know, we, we, we started this conversation funny enough talking about sustainability, but really in the context of, uh, of, of sort of ESG. But actually, I think for me, it's really fundamental to create businesses that are sustainable for the benefit of obviously the, the employees who work within those businesses, but also for the, for the customers who are, you know, taking advantage of the services we offer. So that, that sustainability element is really important to me. But uh, an exciting, happy, healthy building is a good start, I think. And then on to the next. A hundred percent. And I think, I think, I think we work is sort of given, given our industry a little bit of a, a negative connotation sometimes, especially when it comes to the lenders, because uh, they, they weren't um, going out in, in growing a sustainable business, but many of us are. And so, you know, I think it's a good point that you make. I want to ask you a question that's um, sort of, not specifically about this deal, but more in, in general, because I'm, you know, I've been playing around with this in, in my head for some time and having quite a few conversations. And I want to get your opinion. And, you know, may, maybe, maybe if I agree with your opinion, we'll keep it on here. Maybe we'll cut it out. But. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll be careful what I say. Yeah. Go on. No, I mean, it's interesting how you, you talked about, you know, this, this, this um, asset and with, with, with Neil and then potentially more. But in general, if, if we think about the, the management agreement structure and partnering with the developers or the entrepreneurial landlords or the money, and we think about um, opening up a space as a service business or launching a, an asset with a space as a service-led strategy, but then creating a portfolio of, of those, whether that be three or you know 30, do you think that a sustainable approach could be partnering with that same capital partner to go out in on a JV to to launch a number of assets together and then exiting those assets once they're stable or or do you have an opinion on that I should say well if you look at BE's business it's I think 30 30 years old now so I think we have a long-term strategy I think Neil is looking at this in the mid to long term 
But we take an approach, you know, this is not an exclusivity arrangement with Neil. You know, we're looking at other partnership agreements as we speak uh, uh, up and down the country. And, and I think you need to look at each opportunity on its own merits and also understand the desires, I suppose, and the aspirations of the asset holder. And there are cases where we're, where we're in discussions where the owners have expressed an interest to create this offering and then to exit in three to five years. The problem, I suppose, when you're structuring these deals and ticket, the sort of management agreement structure, is that typically these kinds of spaces might take some time to get to full occupancy. Now, in, in the case of Custom House, we're aggressively pre-letting because we've got a phenomenal offering in an exciting market. But there might be some markets where it's more challenging getting to occupancy and therefore the business may be making a significant loss in the, in the early years and only come to profit maybe in years two and three onwards. So e each opportunity, I suppose, needs to be assessed hand in hand with the, the owner of the asset to make sure that alignment exists. And I think if both parties are fairly open and transparent, and this is really important actually about this openness and transparency then I think, you know, there are different ways to skin a cat. That's a horrible expression. But to achieve the goal that you're trying to achieve can be done. But you need to be honest with each other. And I think that's a great start in a relationship. Remember, if you're creating a partnership with someone you don't know, you never worked with before, the test of time will come over the months and years ahead. And people don't forget. People will remember, you know, if you let them down or if yeah. you over promise and i think that's really significant yeah you know transparency is is the only way as i watch our industry evolve and a lot of the operators trying to move in trying to evolve from a lease model to a management yeah. agreement model getting that transparency right there, there's 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 a learning curve and um but it's it's uber important so uh, I agree with you 100%. No, I just I wouldn't ask that question because, you know, certainly there's there's scope for long holds. I, I just I think there's a, there's quite a few investors that are entering this market who who want to get in and others who 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 are looking to you know not necessarily get in and out and they want to stay in for long term. So I just want to get your opinion on that. Jonathan, any final words before we close this out? No, I just think it's exciting to see our market coming back again you know it's been a really really difficult period for for many of us and to see activity and uh, deals happening in the market and customers flooding to this segment is really encouraging i know um a lot of traditional leasing deals are still being done which i think is, is good for balance actually i don't think that's a bad thing but what's really interesting is is watching how the conventional market both landlord, institutional landlord, private landlords, and, and the agency world is, is sort of shifting their strategy and approach as they realize, I think, that the future is flex. So um, long may it be, and, and hopefully there's room for a multitude of options. But I do think, like most people, actually, the market's increasingly blurring, uh, and that's just uh, a nature of the evolution of our sector, I'm, I'm sure. Well, that's uh, that's a quote in itself, and uh, I agree with you. <laughs> uh, look, are you going to be at the Coworking London conference this year? Oh, the e, e office one. Yes, he, he hasn't invited me yet. Oh Shocking. well, <laughs> I'll have to pick up the phone if I haven't been invited. 
So what conferences or face-to-face events are you going to be attending? I attended recently the Flexible Space Association conference, which was fascinating because I was not moderating the last panel, but Elliot Gold from Worklife was moderating the last panel. And and I was doing the Q&A that followed that. And I hadn't realized that during the the panel discussion, there were three uh, panelists in, in addition to Elliot. And, and two of them were some of the biggest landlords across the UK. One was Grosvenor, uh, so one of the biggest landlords in London. The other one was Bruntwood, you know, the biggest landlord in, in, in the north. And, and the other was Workspace, actually. Sorry, there were, there were two massive landlords from London, one from the north. So it was just fascinating that, you know, five years ago, you would not have had those panellists at um, a flexible space event. Uh, and our events uh, are, are attracting really significant investors so it's wonderful to see so yeah i would look forward to attending that i'll be attending juicy and i'm also going to amsterdam to the um, european co-working congress and i think that shows that sort of life is returning travel is returning human interaction is increasing again you know it was great to see people in the flesh you know and and i hope this continues and uh, there are no setbacks so it's looking good well, JW, thank you so much again. It's been a pleasure to, to connect with you. It's been too long. We have to get a coffee soon. And congratulations on the second amazing project in Belfast. And looking forward to hearing about more of which we'll shout about on social media. We will put links in the show notes to your LinkedIn so people can connect with you as well as pictures that you send me uh, to the visuals for Custom House over in Belfast. Congratulations to Neil on this first project as well. Until next time, everyone. Take care of yourself. And now, the final break to complete the story of how TSK helped Kellogg's create their workplace of the future, this time in the words of Kellogg's, which means I have to mention, I had a chance to meet Kellogg's European facilities manager, Derek McDonald, on a recent trip to Manchester, England. Let's hear what he and his team had to say. We found that we had a natural attrition rate where people, once we opened the office, with no pressure, they started to come back in. Now when you walk in the door here, the flavour that you get, you see all the branding, you see how light and airy and spacious it is. There's so many different spaces to work in, not just standard desks. It just really, really works very well. When we saw it come to life, it was really interesting because you never really think it's going to look like it's going to in the picture, but it did. You definitely know it's a Kellogg's building when you walk into this floor and I love the reaction of everybody who comes here. It's nice to now be proud of a workspace. When you look at the design of the office, TSK really understood that from where our culture is to where we want it to be. We wanted people mingling, we wanted people to get to know each other and it's very evident in the layouts, the designs and when you look at our brands and our colours and our phone and our, our product, that's evident here. And that was great working with a team that understood what we were about, what we wanted. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and remember, fortune favours the bold. Drum roll, please. P.S. If you want to find out about future-proofing your portfolio, head over to newflex.com. Making a high-quality podcast like this one takes a lot of work. That's a fact. But not when you hire a podcast company. With our White Glove experience, we handle everything for you. From guest outreach all the way through to publishing and promotion, we handle it all. 
You show up to hold great interviews and build relationships with your guests, and we take care of everything else. Podcasting is not just about the audience. Every podcast interview is the start of a new relationship. With a weekly podcast, you'd build relationships with 52 ideal partners or prospects through your podcast interviews over the next 12 months. Do you believe that 52 new relationships would help grow your business? We do. Contact jason at apodcastcompany.com and let's talk.